0: You are listening to the MJ Sportscast, recapping the latest games, getting you up to date on the latest sports news, and providing our exciting Bay Area picks. This is the MJ Sportscast with your hosts, Mike Tang and Jerry Yang. Hello and welcome, guys, to episode 23 of the MJ Sportscast. Jerry Yang, how are you doing today, man?
1: Good, good. Excited for our first uh, live cast. Um, this is going to be a good episode. So, everyone follow us on YouTube and be able to watch the show as well. Yeah. So, what's on top of your mind uh, this weekend? Here. Yeah. So this week was, I think, mostly focused on, I think, two parts. There's a Niners uh, free agency and draft prospects. Um But I watched a lot of the all-star games and... Mainly, I liked it how it was only one day, and it had everything you know, done in one day, so you didn't have to wait you know, on Friday, watch a like, celebrity game, and then Saturday, watch a different game, and then Sunday, watch another one. You were able to just get everything condensed into one single event. And I thought it was a good format. I think in the future, they probably wouldn't stick with this format. They'll try to drag it on for a week. But for yeah, you know, given COVID and everything else, I thought it was a good format, uh, and I hope it stays right. And yeah, I no, guess some. Yeah, yeah sorry. sorry to
0: interrupt, but I know Steph Curry mm. mentioned that. Uh, I think that you know the NBA players they enjoy the condensed format there mm-hmm. because they you know they don't want to be away from their family for multiple days. Um, there, so instead of having like three days of these All Star festivities, they can just have it like in one what five to six hour. Uh, span here so yeah um but i don't really foresee the nba um continuing with a one day format just right. because monetary wise you know they would like to have like you know two days of like the all-star you know dunk contest the mm-hmm. three-point contest and then also the all-star game as well
1: yeah because they want to make an event of it right they want to make this whole weekend really be its all-star weekend but i guess as a viewer it was just a lot a lot easier to to digest <laughs> and I thought it was really fun to watch like curry in the three-point contest so I was pretty happy when he won um he won mm-hmm. in like a pretty exciting fashion um not sure if you caught the game did you watch the watch the three-point contest
0: yeah I watched the game there it was some um, I thought it was the, one of the better um activities out of the all-star mm-hmm. weekend there the skill contest is always usually like a snoozer to me Yeah, Um, (laughs) and then um, I thought the dunk contest was kind of like um, they kind of forced it in a Mm -hmm. way, and they didn't really have any star power um, there. So you had, you know, a bunch of rookies, um, you know, a a couple Mm -hmm. players that no one really knew about um, here. And I think it was only like a couple rounds, um, too. So I thought the dunk contest um, was not very good. Three point contest uh, was pretty exciting just because it seemed like they kept the same format. As previous yeah. years, um, here and uh, the war, you know, the Warriors with Steph Curry was able to prevail.
1: And they, I think they added in the Gatorade ball, which was close to half court um, on both sides. I think that also made it pretty interesting because that was a a true three point shot, and you know, Curry hit both of those um, yeah. to be able to win it all, right? So I think that was really exciting. And what I thought was interesting is for the All Star game after the game, there was a lot of talks about. Um, Steph Curry having a lot of chemistry with LeBron, with Nico Djokovic, and Damian Millard. And so it was kind of interesting that now I think people are appreciating him as a better player. Uh, I see a lot of Laker fans who are like, oh, LeBron and Lakers should get Curry to come over. <laughs> and there's like all these uh, doctored and Photoshop images of Curry wearing a Lakers jersey, right? Um, mm-hmm. So I thought that was kind of interesting. I didn't, I didn't, uh, didn't know that people didn't think this before but i think this all-star weekend really really highlighted it for him
0: yeah i mean i think those um curry to lakers connection is kind of premature in a sense here Mm -hmm. and it just goes to show how social media and twitter kind of blows things up even over like the (laughs) smallest things um here just because you know uh, Two, te- you know, two guys who have competed against each other are finally on the same team together, and it looks like they're getting along. It doesn't necessarily mean that you know they will hook up in the near future. <laughs> um, here, so, um, but it was kind of cool just to kind of uh, see that dynamic change because Curry mm-hmm. and LeBron has always faced each other um, in the yeah. finals and also in All Star games. Um, here and it looked like they actually really enjoyed each other's company and um, respected each other's skill.
1: Yeah, and I think Curry works pretty well with a bunch of centers as well. Like Nikola Djokovic, like I mentioned, I think he had a lot of hookups with him. So it's yeah. pretty promising with James Wiseman in the future that he gets to that level that Curry will be able to work well with him. Um, I guess one entertainment factor I want to comment about the All-Star game is I mm-hmm. thought the jerseys were super ugly this year. <laughs> what do you think of it? It was like all yellow and then an all blue for team. Yeah, you um, know,
0: you know, you were yeah, not the Eagles. first one to mention that um, here. And I thought they lacked a lot of creativity uh, mm-hmm. with these jerseys. I'm not sure. It's just because they didn't know if they were going to proceed with the All-Star game to begin <laughs> with. and They didn't really want to put in a lot of time. Um, into the design um, there but I would rather have them wear you know their own like home versus away jersey like each each Mm -hmm. team's like home jersey and each team's away jersey that would look a lot better and they've done that in the 90s and stuff but Mm -hmm. at the same time they need to create these jerseys because they want to you know sell them after the all-star game and make some revenue off it but um, yeah I have no Mm -hmm. idea what was the reasoning behind Mm -hmm. the coloring Mm -hmm. and the design
1: yeah, I think you could still sell those jerseys because what you could do is do a do your home or away jersey like you said, and then sell like an all star patch on top of it. Yeah, and it becomes like a limited edition, you know, all star patch jersey. <laughs> yeah. But I think that's like a, a lot better, right? I think the thinking this year was LeBron is from the Lakers, so now he has an all yellow, right? And then um, Durant is in the net, so they just all like dark black blue type of color right which i thought mm-hmm. was like man it was it just looked weird right i think he, I, I think they were trying to make it so that the teammates look like their teammates as well but it just didn't work for me i, I would not want to buy that jersey i think <laughs> and then i think the other aspect that was kind of a bum about is like the celebrity game i know it's usually not a good game but it's just interesting to see which celebrities are in it and which ones like can actually ball right i think in the past we were kind of surprised by, I don't know, like Justin Timberlake being able to ball or um, who else was really good. And like like um, Aaron Carter, I think was a <laughs> was yeah. like guy that did well. And, you know, just uncommon, uh, right? And these guys that you, you, didn't, you didn't think were basketball players really or had any like technical basketball skills and they came out and they were like the MVP of that celebrity game, so it was this kind of fun mashup. And obviously with COVID, I, I, they couldn't make that happen. But I think mean, that's the one part that I was a little bit bummed about that it didn't happen. But out, mm. out of the weekend, right? So,
0: yeah, yeah, I agree with you. And I felt the game had had um, really no defense as usual. Yeah. Um, here, and you didn't really see too many spectacular plays. Um, a lot of three point shots, along a lot of long long threes, but. Mm-hmm. Um I felt like last year's game was more competitive on um, there each quarter was a little bit closer um but this one it felt like it was just so one sided um here especially towards LeBron's side um
1: you know yeah, I think good.
0: the the east they they had a couple players injured or or due to covid like Joel and Bede and stuff and mm-hmm. they just really didn't compete at a high level
1: yeah, I think uh, LeBron kind of put Durant in a bad spot when they were drafting because he drafted yeah. Giannis or Giannis in the first pick. And then it forced um, Durant, instead of picking Curry, he had to pick Kyrie, his teammate, mm-hmm. right? So so then once you put Curry and Giannis on the same team, it kind of you're at a disadvantage there. Right? I don't think there was anyone better than LeBron, Giannis, and Curry. Like that, that, that three alone is gonna dominate any team right like even competitive teams you put them against those three and those guys are playing hard there's there's no way right so so i think that that was already off the off the mark uh lebron created a super team already so
0: (laughs) yeah yeah i agree with you there how are the how do you what do you think of the niners um here i know last week we were on our first live stream with beast rider ryan sakamoto and we kind of talked about Various Niners topics and also the NFL um, here, but uh, seems like, you know, there's maybe some traction and some news, you know, coming um, into free yeah. agency. Uh, what are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, I think we can get into it when we cover the NFL section, right? I think, but for, at a high level, um, I really think in the NFL draft, the Niners are just going to get a cornerback, especially with the rumors about Jason Verrett testing the free market. And there's Patrick Satay and Caleb Farley who might be available at 12. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if either one of those guys are there, I think we should pick pick them up. And if we don't, I think um, the Cardinals were four picks later. I think they was a 16th pick. They are probably going to pick up one of the cornerbacks, right? Because they, they lost Patrick Peterson. Um, so I think they're looking to get younger with those cornerbacks. So the more I think about it, I think that's a little bit more realistic. Mm-hmm. And then maybe in the second round, they pick like a quarterback if they if if there's like someone like Matt Jones or someone available, right? I don't think they can get Matt Jones because he'll probably be gone in the first round, right? Um, and I just think it's gonna be a free agent, um, quarterback that will come in. I think I mentioned uh Jacoby Brissett and um. Uh, Andy Dalton, that's possible too, that we're probably going to fill in. And I think we read an article from TK, we we'll kind of agree with that as well, right? Tim Calacombe from the Athletics. So, and yeah, I agree with him. I think those are probably the most likely. And I don't think we're going to trade for Sam Darnold, right? I think, I think the, the door has closed, I feel like, of Jimmy G. I think Jimmy G is just going to be our starting quarterback for the year. I think Lynch already made that statement out and, you know, there's a lot of over-analysis because free agency is about to open up next week and there's a lot of talks about Patriots wanting to trade with them. And I think if there's going to be a move, it's probably going to be in the draft. Um, but if we come out of the draft and Jimmy G is still a Niner, then it's more, more than likely he's going to be a Niner for the 2021 season.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think we've kind of... uh hit the nail on the head on this one um here you know the two needs that we have out of the draft is going to be um cornerback and then if we can't sign trent williams it's going to be an old lineman um there mm-hmm. and we have like 10 players or 10 draft picks um here so you know looking at that i don't really see us being way too aggressive in the free agency market um here and um mm-hmm. what i've also mentioned too is that you know after we go through all these signings and all these needs guys like uh kyle rushek a fullback he probably will not be resigned um with the team again um here mm. among others
1: you don't think so you don't think they'll keep you yeah sir? yeah i mean kyle shanahan <laughs> loves him
0: loves the way um loves the way he Adapts into the offense, but mm-hmm. you know, I think he's going to cost a little bit too much um, to keep, and we just have so many needs there. And we can definitely talk a little yeah. bit about that um, here, too. So, um, the Niners,
1: wanna, yeah, Niners cap space also came out that they're going to have 28 million to work with this year, right? So, I think we have to kind of think about what they can do with 28 mil if they do sign Trent Williams that's going to take up most of it, right? <laughs> because Tim Williams is going to be 18 million, right? So we're going to yeah. have 10 million to work with. That's that's going to be pretty slim at that point.
0: Yeah, um, I'm not sure exactly how much of the cap hit it's going to take uh, if we sign Trent Williams for about 23 million or so um, here. But um, I heard some reports it might be maybe 8 to 9 million towards the cap. If he signs oh, okay. for twenty three million, and it might be oh, even
1: most of it will be bonuses and yeah, yeah. Like
0: okay, so, so yeah. a lot. I, th- right? I think That's it's like kind
1: a of, third of contract, <laughs> and I think it's
0: pretty promising that he will be signed um, here. I think yeah. he was on Chris Collinsworth's um, podcast and Richard Sherman there, and he looked he seemed pretty optimistic about um, right. coming back to the team, and uh, you know, I think people. You know, they oversee the fact that players after 10 years in the league, they're just very comfortable with certain coaches, with certain teammates and with certain systems here. Does Trent Williams wants to go to a situation like the Jaguars or something where they're kind of rebuilding? I think Trent Williams is looking to, you know, be in a winning situation and capture that Super Bowl title.
1: Well, I think the more likely team he would go to, and I think Beast Rider mentioned it too, is the Colts, right? Because the yep. Colts will have a winning culture. But I do agree with you that I think we should keep Trent Williams mainly because of free agency of left tackles. He's the best one, right? <laughs> and then in the draft, the only good uh, left tackle is Pineda Um He's a good plug-and-play left tackle. Mm-hmm. But the Bengals at number five are probably going to swoop him up. Right, I think the Bengals already committed, and they already leaked it out to the media that that's probably pretty much the only guy they're talking to, um, left tackle wise. Right, so I think they're pro- they're going to be able to soup him unless the Dolphins get him. Right, in either case, the Niners are not going to be in the hunt for them anymore. And after Pinay Sewell is a huge drop off. Right, there's no one as good as Penay Sewell, and there's Christian Darisol, but he's also kind of a tackle, um, mm-hmm. Rashawn. Slater, he's also a guard, right? He's more of a guard. So it's, you're going to have a very steep drop off about Trent Williams. So I think Trent Williams is a must and then draft a cornerback. And then I think for the fullback position, if we don't sign the use check, I think we can probably get like a strong tight end in free agency. Mm -hmm. So a guy like um, uh, John New Smith uh, from the Titans, he's going to hit the free agent mark. He might fit that mold too, right? He's kind of a big dude and and um yeah, so someone like that I think could, could probably come in and be be in that full back slash tight end position and and fit the blocking schemes and stuff like that. So and there's even talks I think of Delaney Walker possibly coming back. Right I know Delaney Walker is super old, but you know, he was a former niner here and I think he still got it. So that'll be yeah.
0: interesting. You know, fortunately there's a lot of options to choose from both in the draft and also from free agency um, here. So I think the Niners are going to, you know, have their needs board and their want board, you know, Mm -hmm. and I think like that a backup tight end is probably, they would probably maybe draft one um, five picks into it. Maybe, you know, I don't think they're going to go Kyle Pitts to be honest with that first round um, pick. And you mentioned Slater and he's the name that's mentioned a lot. In a, with a lot of teams, just because yeah. he can go from you know top ten to maybe like in the top fifteen or so um here. But if if we can't sign Trent Williams, I think Slater was probably a target.
1: But he's a guard, right? That's a problem. Yeah. I don't think he's played left tackle. I think he played maybe a couple games at left tackle. But I think his more comfortable position will be guard. So if they do get Slater, I think it's going to be like a questionable decision, like similar to mm-hmm. Solomon Thomas, who kind of, I think changed his position too. I think he was more interior line, um, but got moved to, or maybe the opposite, right? I think it was more the outside linebacker and moved to inside linebacker, def- uh, yeah. defensive linebacker. Um, so he felt a little bit un- out of position. And if we, do this with Slater, I feel like it might be sending us for that disaster, right? So so I think I agree with you on when you were on, on Beast Rider's podcast. I know Beast Rider kind of shut you down there a little bit by saying Trent yeah. Williams is not the priority, but I think he's the priority, right? Mainly because he's so hard to replace, you know, so.
0: Yeah, well, you know, while we're on the topic of football, you mentioned Jason Verrett um you know it's listening to other teams reportedly and yeah. going to hit like the free agent market um here do you see him possibly leaving the 49ers or coming back um here as the the number one cornerback with the team
1: yeah i think he'll be back i think um all that news that came out is because um the agents are just trying to um stir up the pot a little bit as a negotiation tactic Right, I think that's why, I think that's what happens when these news come out. It's because they're they're trying to um, have some type of leverage going into uh, renewing renewing a player, right? Negotiating with the team. So I think he'll be back. Uh, If he doesn't, um, I think either way we should still get a cornerback in the first round because we do need a better number two. I think Mosley is more of a number three, and I think Witherspoon is probably done with us, right? So. Um, so yeah, I, I, I see for coming back. Um, if he doesn't, yeah, I think it's going to be a, a scramble. right? <laughs> they probably will have to sign, um, Spoon back just to be, just to have a, a guy they've worked with and Mosley will be back. Right. I think Mosley's already, he's a restricted free agent or something like that. I'm not sure, but I think Mosley will definitely be back with us. Right. So, yeah. um, yeah. Yeah, so I don't think I don't see Varett leaving, but if he does, I think there's definitely a Plan B for him. He's a little bit more replaceable than Trent Williams, right? So I I wouldn't prioritize him as a reciting um, if he's commanding too much money. And I mean, we talked about injury history, right, with the doctor yeah. last week, and yeah. he has an injury injury history for sure. So that's going to be a concern.
0: It's a concern because. If we re-sign him, he's probably going to be our number one cornerback. And do we want our number one cornerback to be that high risk,
1: mm-hmm. you know,
0: for the team um there? So I think best case scenario, the Niners, they re-sign Verrett and then they draft the cornerback in the first round. You know, that way they're pretty much um, you know, covered too. Yeah. And then if we also resign Mosley and maybe a, a kilo weatherspoon at a discounted rate, um, you know, it's not that bad of a, a backfield probably comparable uh, to two years ago.
1: Yeah. And our front seven will be better too with Bosa back. So that'll definitely help our secondary um, in terms of coverage, right? When we have a better pass rush, it's definitely going to relieve them. And I think the most unfortunate part is that this this draft doesn't really have good pass rushers compared to the Bosa year, right? The Bosa year, quite a few names, I think could have replaced it. even last year, I think we might've had a few options, but this year, Slim picking. So, um, yeah, I and, mean, you know, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> I'm, I'm just kind of curious about D Ford, right? I'm still kind of racking my brain on what to do with that guy, right? <laughs> I think he's most likely done with the team, but if he's healthy, is he a viable option? I don't know, right? So,
0: yeah, I think right now for Niners fans, uh, we should expect D Ford to not play. Um mm. this coming season. I think the Niners will be uh, pretty creative in trying to figure out a buyout um, for him. Um yeah. you know, not not count too much against the cap for this coming season.
1: Yeah, and I think I mentioned it in the last show, but in June 1st is when they they can make they have to make that decision, right? Um they can't cut him before that, and then on yeah. June 1st, hopefully he's healthy because if you cut him when he's injured, then there's uh there's a hit to there's an injury I guess stipulation that hits the cap. So they have to be careful with that one.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um here and what are your thoughts about the backup quarterback situation for the Niners? Um, you know, CJ Bethard and Nick Mullins, if they do re sign individually, they'll probably count about nine hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars um towards the cap um here. But if we go for guys like Jacoby Brissett, Andy Dalton, um among others. Uh, Dalton will probably go for about 3 million towards the capture Kobe percent mm-hmm. if he goes at a discounted rate will maybe be about 4.5 million to, to 5 million mm-hmm. here. Um is, do you think it's too much to spend, you know, three to 5 million on a backup quarterback? Or should we maybe try to draft one um, there? How do you? How do you foresee? How do you foresee, ju- do you foresee like um, the Niners proceeding with this?
1: I think if they do draft someone, they'll probably be in the second round. It might be someone like Calamon or something. Um, or, you know, worst case, they draft in the first round, which it could yeah. do as well, and get Trey Lance most likely or Mac Jones in that position. I guess that will be okay. Um, but I think the likely scenario is what you mentioned. It's probably going to be Andy Dalton, Jacoby Brissett, and maybe Trent Taylor um, might be a guy. Um, I think Alex Smith will be interesting. Right, Alex Smith might be a guy that we can think about if he's just holding a clipboard for us. And he was pretty effective last year, actually. Right, when he played, yeah, is this one injury puts him out for longer, right? Especially if it's a leg injury, mm-hmm. so that's a, definitely comes with risk there. So, I don't think he's in command of I think 12 million is what he was owed last year, so I don't think he's gonna command 12 million. He's probably gonna be closer to. The Brissettes and um, yeah, the Brissettes and the Andy Dalton's around four or five million, right? So, but he'll be a viable at least. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, there's going to be options, you know, out there. But I think the Niners should draft or should um, target a free agent for that number mm-hmm. two spot, and then draft a quarterback. Um, I'm hoping probably in the third or fourth round, and hope hopefully, Mon drops all the way down to there. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Uh, absolutely so let's see how it goes um, yeah
0: so another news here Emmanuel Sanders was released by the Saints former Niner wide receiver who played for the Niners a couple seasons back um, mm-hmm. here and then also Dak Prescott uh, signed a pretty gigantic deal um, coming off um, a pretty pretty bad injury here four years 160 million dollars 126 million dollar guarantee you know Jerry Jones with a big pocket you know yeah um, <laughs> But my, my thinking is, okay, you know, maybe Sanders can come back um, here. You know, we're looking at the market. If Sanders come back, he'll probably, you know, count 4 million towards the cap. But if we bring back a guy like Kendrick Bourne, that might be, you know, about two, two and a half million. Do you think we should just kind of keep, keep what we have in Kendrick Bourne or should we try to um, lure Emmanuel Sanders back uh, with the team again?
1: I think Manuel Sanders is an upgrade, but I'm not sure if he'll go for that much against the cap, right? Because he has a two-year, twenty-four million dollar contract, and I think that's the reason why we didn't resign them because <laughs> we couldn't afford that two twenty-four. But yeah,
0: um,
1: yeah, if the contracts are comparable. Then obviously, I think Sanders is an upgrade, right? Um, I think once you get him, he'll probably be close to a number one or number two receiver for us automatically where if you keep born it's going to be a number three right Yeah. um so definitely an upgrade there and i think Dak prescott I'm, i was pretty i had like two feelings for Dak <laughs> prescott signing i think one i'm glad it happened because after he got hurt um there was no guarantees it was going to get get uh re-signed right and i think jerry jones could have franchise tagged him again mm-hmm. and all of this stuff um but mm-hmm. i think they did a good job by doing him well in this Giving that contract, um, but that was a lot of money. right? Four years, 160 million, like you said. Uh, but the guarantees were blew it out, right? Like 126 million guarantee. That's so this contract, like right behind, you know, Patrick Mahone's contract now. So is he the second best at Patrick Mahomes? I guess we have to find out, right? <laughs> um, yeah. but, but I guess what's interesting about these contracts is now the market gets resetted because he he signed this big contract. The next uh, free agent quarterback is probably going to beat this contract, right? Um and so, I think maybe in a year or two, maybe even at the end of this year, we're gonna look back on Dax's contract and say, "Oh, that was a good deal." <laughs> and I think that's kind of how we felt with Jimmy G's contract too. Initially, we were thinking it's like super expensive to set the market, but slowly after that, all these other quarterbacks got signed. And now, now obviously with his injury history, we didn't get the value out of it, but it wasn't a, you know, it wasn't a, the be- the biggest contract of the year uh, when we signed him. Like we thought it was, right? So,
0: yeah, I mean, um, you, I think you, you said it, uh, right there, Jerry, um, especially about the Prescott, uh, contract. He was going to get signed. It was either g- going to be with the Cowboys or with another team if he was mm-hmm. like let go, um, here. And I think quarterbacks in general, they recover fairly quickly from like foot injuries. And I think that's what Prescott, um, Sustained yeah. was a foot fracture. fracture. Yep. Um, if it was like a knee, I think that they can still recover. Like Joe Burrow got like an ACL tear. Uh, yeah. but I think he's going to recover pretty quickly. So the injury that you have to worry about with quarterbacks is usually what the shoulder mm-hmm. um, there and just like, yeah, the arm area and maybe the back and, and neck. Those are right. like three concerns, um, that quarterback should be worried about. But, um, usually with foot injuries, they can still, uh, rehab pretty quickly. Um, they're still, d- still be able to do drills in the off season, um, to sustain like, um, to sustain their edge.
1: Yeah. just supposed not be as mobile, but I don't yeah. think he was ever that mobile to begin with, right. So that's, that's, uh, that'll, that'll be the only drop off, uh, coming off a leg injury. So.
0: Yeah, and uh, lastly for the NFL, the Niners also um, (laughs) re-signed Ross Jwelly and Marcel Harris
1: uh, to one-year
0: contracts um, here. Uh, Both, you know, played pretty sparingly. You know, we saw Ross Jwelly come out there. Um, He was like, he he maybe received a couple catches a game um, Mm -hmm. at most. Um, But, you know, from my standpoint, I see Ross Jwelly as just kind of um, as depth chart. For, t- yep. for the tight end and also Marcel Harris um, too. Marcel Harris is probably a good what, maybe like a fourth, fourth mm-hmm. or fifth uh, cornerback yeah. on your roster. Um, but uh, what are your thoughts on on both those signings? Do you think they will? Do you think they will propel into the starting lineup at all, or do you? <laughs> no, or do you I think, think this,
1: you know, just- I th- this is what you said, right? I think if we don't get a tight end backup, that Ross Dwelly will be it, um, which. You might be okay, right? I think behind Kittle, you're always going to be not as good as Kittle. (laughs) But he's serviceable, right? Russell is serviceable. And then Marcel Harris, we just need more depth at safety. So he definitely fits that mold. And yeah, I think these are short one-year contracts. Um, It's almost like a proven contract. So if they can step it up in the season and impress, maybe, maybe we can think of them differently. But I'm... Not holding my breath on that, right? I think they're just going to be the same role they were last year.
0: Yeah, yeah, agree. You know, the Niners still have to upgrade um, with both positions there. They probably will want to sign a, a tight end, um, either in free agency or draft one, late in the draft. Um, and then we talked about the cornerback situation. Um, Marcel Harris is primarily a cornerback, right?
1: No, he's safety, I thought. he's he 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 a safety. Yeah, he's a safety. Okay, he's what I saw. Yeah, he's a safety. All I right, so
0: safety. let's yeah. kind of talk about the NBA. We brushed on the All Star game um, here and our thoughts on, you know, the chemistry between um, mm-hmm. between LeBron and Curry. We talked about some of the ugly jerseys that the All Star <laughs> teams wore um, here. But I wanted to talk about specifically the Warriors. Um, you know, they're close to 500 at the first half. And mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of talk about how the organization has a lack of developing young talent um, from their own draft picks. And I'm not talking about guys like Curry and Draymond Green and Clay Thompson. Those are guys that were drafted before Kerr and Myers. I'm talking about mm-hmm. the guys that were, you know, that came in after Kerr was hired. And when we look at the list, you know, the Kerr and Myers, they've done a horrible job in developing young players when you think about it here.
1: Jacob uh, Evans, for example, right? Is that what you're thinking of those guys? Yeah. Like Jordan Poole.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, Jordan Poole has, um, he's done a little bit better. And yeah. Coming but back from the He was not
1: a first day starter though, right? I think yeah. for the position they drafted him, he should be a guy that makes an impact right away, but that wasn't the case.
0: Yeah. He and, was drafted, I believe, like late first round um, here. Hmm. And sometimes with these late first round picks, You just never know, you know, where they're gonna go. If he was drafted in the top ten, okay, maybe you would expect, you know, pretty solid twenty minutes a night kind of production (laughs) um, here. Mm -hmm. But that's, um, you know, I think Jordan Poole was just kind of put in a very bad situation last year, in which he was just not ready to play when Curry Mm -hmm. went down, and uh, he was kind of um, inserted um, into the starting lineup and forced to play against better competition when in reality he should be playing in the G League um, last year. And in the beginning of this season, he didn't really get any playing time at all um, here. And when we went to Utah uh, maybe a month ago and we needed a pool to deliver, he just <laughs> he absolutely um, looked like he didn't belong. Um, and then fans are like, okay, well, maybe we're not on the pool bandwagon <laughs> after
1: all,
0: right? Yeah. So we're just like, we're just dissing, um, you know, Jordan Poole throughout the last month or so. So he goes into the G League. Um, he comes back and he faces pretty good team in the Phoenix Suns, right? Mm. And he mm. actually does pretty
1: well. And now fans, I believe, are back on the Jordan Poole bandwagon. He's <laughs> just <laughs> so up and down, right? I I've, I, I just yeah, he's just so up and down that I, I can't put my hand on on how good he is, right? But um, speaking about all the picks, I think probably mm-hmm. the best pick they've done so far. Um, obviously, James Wiseman is a very conservative, safe pick, so I want to count that. Yeah. But I think Eric Paschal is probably the best, right? Um, Eric Pascal is the one that really panned out so far. <laughs> um, but yeah, overall, I agree with you, right? Like, guys like Jordan Bell and Jacob Evans, or even look at this season, right? Like, J- James Wiseman's great, he's a guy that we picked and we. Um, very safe, and he's in the starting lineup, and all this stuff. But what about Nico Mannon or Justin Jessup, right? <laughs> like those guys were picked in the second round, but they're G League players, you know. And then I think there's other teams that are picking um, second rounders that are at least in the bench, you know. <laughs> so, right. so I I don't know. Like I think I kind of agree with you that they're not really good at picking players. Um, but I'm not sure how they can over- overcome that. Right. I think, I don't know if getting a guy like Jerry West back, you know, I know he's committed to what the Clippers now. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I think that's why we had guys like Clay Thompson and Jamon green, because he was on the advisory board to kind of help, uh, the GM at the time to pick the better players, you know, and then once he, he left, Dramatically, the team got worse on drafting, you know. So, I don't know if there's a direct correlation, but it sure seems like it, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, I think it is
0: an issue. And you mentioned uh, Pascal here, and yeah, he may have been a good pick, but it feels like he has digressed uh, this season here. Um, mm-hmm. You know, but for a
1: second round pick, that's yeah, pretty good, yeah. right? <laughs> that's but pretty I think good. It was also
0: first team, all rookie team. <laughs> Right. Yeah,
1: that's so true. like when you're
0: first team all rookie, you kind of expect that next season to progress into a better player. Um yeah. here. But kind of looking at the numbers with Pascal, um, you know, last year he shot like about 28.7 percent from mm-hmm. three this year. Today he's 28.9. So he's only yeah. improved like point two percent <laughs> from last <laughs> season here. And in this modern day air in this modern day NBA, if you're a role player. Here And you don't do um, anything significantly well in terms of maybe blocking shots, scoring, or even rebounding, you better be able to shoot and space the floor here. And, you know, Pascal hasn't been able to do that so far mm. this season. Yes, he's been injured. Yes, he's had a knee injury um, going into the season um, here. But he's got to be able to find ways um, to play with all the units, not just play in like the second unit small ball Um, yeah I don't think that's really going to um, cut it for him um, development wise um, here and then one more thing here um, you know within five feet or within um, the paint area you should be able to shoot you know over 65 percent from that Mm -hmm. area and then lately I think this season he's been shooting around like you know low 50 percent in the paint so that's also kind of concerning um too and then you mentioned um guys like Nico mannion as draft picks um here and how we we haven't seen you know anything um from (laughs) these guys
1: well let me let me clarify the eric pascal thing right the reason i say he's the best is if you compare it to everyone else cur has drafted so you have kevon looney i guess okay decent right so maybe you can make an argument between kevon looney and pascal but after that is what Patrick McCall, Damian Jones, mm-hmm. Jordan Bell, Jacob Evans, Ale Smolik, Jordan Poole, Jessup, right? Like if you put it against that list of players, Pascal is one of the better ones, right? Him and yeah. Looney are the two better players that Kerr and and um you know Kerr and Evans um drafted, right? Or Myers, sorry, Myers drafted, right? So um not not great right like because you already mentioned all the flaws of pascal also right (laughs) but if you put it up against those guys at least he's still on the roster he's a contributor right like um so him and looney are the contributors and all these other guys like we just got evans back right i think he left the team and he got cut by other teams yeah So yeah you know and Smiley just seems like a bust. I, I know he started early with the Warriors and playing G League and, over, and offshore, but he doesn't look like he's ever going to be NBA ready.
0: Yeah, he's he's young. He's still 20 years old um, here. And I think we still have team control for the next two years or so for Smiley. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't look like he's ready to compete against NBA talent anytime soon um, here. So it's something to watch out for. Um you know play devil's advocate the warriors haven't drafted very highly in a lot of years mm-hmm. you know with the jacob evans pick i think he was what maybe 20th 20th to, yeah yeah close 20th, to 28th yeah. or so it's tough to find real impactful players sometimes it's such um it's up to crapshoot but it still doesn't mm-hmm. give them an excuse to strike out on so many uh young players in the past like four or five years.
1: Right, I agree.
0: Another thing to kind of watch out for is that the Timberwolves, um, you know, they have the worst record um, in the league so far um, here. And what does that mean? The Warriors, um, you know, if they get they get the the Timberwolves draft pick um, here, if it's like not top three, so it's a protected pick, right? Yeah, but the <laughs> protected pick. So the Wolves have a four about a forty percent chance of keeping the pick if it's a top three at this moment <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. here.
0: The Warriors have a twelve percent chance of taking the fourth pick, right, mm. and also about forty-eight percent of taking the fifth pick. Here, you know, and that's pretty important because the twenty twenty-one uh, NBA draft, they say it's like a five-player draft led by Cat Cunningham mm. uh, here. So, if the Wo- if the Wo- if the Wolves have the worst record, then the the Dubs have about a sixty percent chance. You know at the top five so we kind of want to root for the timberwolves to keep losing to be honest with you because
1: <laughs> you get right. the pick next year right because it's a protected pick yeah so if we don't get the top three then next year or year after rather it becomes a unprotected pick right so they're they're going to do worse we can possibly have the number one I think the whole, um, the only thing that I think that throws a wrench in all this is it's a lottery system, right? Or even if you get the number four pick, you might not be picking number four. (laughs) I think the last few years, the top few has really been shooken up, right? So I don't think it's a guarantee there, but but I'm with you. I think we shouldn't hope for them to lose you know I, I know it sounds kind of bad to anti-root a team <laughs> yeah. but you know if we're warrior fans that's what we want to do right so if you know in some ways it's probably better that they lose this year too and then we get the pick the year after you know just because we're yeah. definitely not going to get a pick next year if clay's good already right and then if you think about the team being competitive and being a good team and then we add another piece to it with a top three pick, then watch out, right? The Warriors are gonna be pretty set up and you you're gonna have a guy like James Wiseman where there cannot miss pick, right? Like I think the top three, I know Edwards has struggled a little bit, like I think Edwards struggled a little bit, but he's still a guy you're gonna start every day, right? Um the top three for this year's draft, twenty twenty draft were are pretty solid, I think.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think the Warriors are in a very fortunate situation um, here. Ideally, we would love, like, the number four pick of this coming draft. But mm-hmm. even if we get the next year's uh, draft pick, I think that's a, that's okay, too, like what you mentioned. Um, so the Warriors are, you know, the, the future is bright. They just need to not strike out on these picks, you yeah. know, moving forward. And if we get, like, a top five pick next year or the year after, you know, that gives – that gives them a lesser chance of picking a guy like J- Jacob Evans or Jordan Poole, um here, and just getting some, you know, good bonafide talent to go on top of that.
1: We have about two weeks before the trade deadline. Do you expect the Warriors to make any moves? Um, you know, there's been a lot of talks about, you know, trading with um, the Mavericks for I can't pronounce that dude's name, Pazanik. <laughs> Corzingus,
0: um, right? Porzingis.
1: Porzingis, yeah. fair, you know, right? There's a lot of rumors trading with Persangus, and I, I don't know if there's any meat to it and what we have to give up, but my personal opinion, I don't think we are gonna trade because this is just not our year. We're, it doesn't unless we're trying to get more picks, maybe that could be the case, right? But you know, I wouldn't mind training Kelly Oubre and getting like some prospect picks and future draft picks because we didn't lose a draft pick. signing up right at first round there so but i don't know we see
0: any big moves um here i don't think we're going to take on any big contracts um there and if they're going to take on a big contract then we're going to have to trade a big contract right and Mm -hmm. kelly Uber is probably one guy draymond green's another big contract um there but i don't really think the warriors are going to trade him um here just because you know they like his production so far and you know the friendship and connection with curry is way too big right now to separate um, you know, they were also rumored to sign Blake Griffin before the, oh, yeah. Nets. Before the
1: Nets swooped in,
0: right? <laughs> yeah. I don't really think the warriors were really serious about that, um, there. And I don't really think Blake Griffin you know, fits our system at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so if we're going to make a trade, it's probably going to be something small, maybe something with like Brad Wanamaker, Um, here to make room for Jordan Poole, and maybe, um, call up Jeremy Lin from the G league, mm-hmm. um, here. But it's gonna, it's not gonna be a huge move um, here, just because Kerr has indicated many times throughout the season that this is basically like um, a holdover year. You know, maybe mm-hmm. barely make the playoffs and then um, try to, you know, make it to the finals when Klay Thompson comes back the following season. Um, so right. at this point, yeah. it's just, it's just kind of uh, hold on for dear life. You know, try to <laughs> make the playoffs and uh, try to build that momentum uh, for next season.
1: Yeah, I think w- Wiggins and Uber are actually playing a lot better, right? They're starting to develop a lot more chemistry with Curry and Draymond and Wiseman now too. So I, I, I think you keep that momentum going and keep that development going with this team, and then once you add Clay as an additional piece, um, yeah. the team would have gelled already, right? Um, so you wouldn't want to. I don't think you want to disrupt your starters. Um, and I think the se- uh, second unit is shaky, but that's also more development time for them and getting them the gel as well. Um, so I, I, like you said, development year. I think last year we saw some good results, right? When when this bench second unit was basically our starters, you know? and you know they've come a long way, right? Like a guy like Damian Lee. He's looking a lot better, you know. So he's benefiting from that. I think Mark, Mark Marquis Chris would have also if he didn't get hurt, you know. So, so I think if you get one or two guys from the second unit to kind of be breakout stars and guys that you keep on the bench going forward, then this team will have a lot of depth down there, and it'll be young young guys that would be stepping up.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, let's kind of talk about uh, Major League Baseball stuff. Major League uh, with Baseball. The San Francisco Giants, you know, they signed Justin Bohr to a minor league contract. Yeah, uh, He's the first baseman, <laughs> right? First baseman first in the previous baseman. life. And uh, yep. he was with the uh, Los Angeles Angels uh, for a bit here, but it looks like his stat line here about hitting about 172 um, here with a little bit of power. Um, he was signed to a minor league deal. He's not guaranteed to make the major league roster. And then we also uh, signed Jose Alvarez, um, a left-hander, um, one-year, $1.15 million deal, kind of a typical Farhan um, signing <laughs> so far. Uh, but uh, you know, Alvarez is 31 years old, has a 3.59 ERA um, over eight major league seasons. Uh, he played for the Tigers, the Angels, uh, the Phillies um, here. You know, he, he posted a pretty good era uh this past season mm-hmm. with what 1.42 era um in 2020 yeah. um there but uh you know had a comebacker hit directly to him uh he was out for the season um there you know first first thinking do you do you think Alvarez is going to contribute right away um here or do you think it's just another one of those pitching depth that you know <laughs> let's let's try let's try to like let's try to just sign all these um, guys off injury and maybe we can, uh, you know, maybe we can hit the jackpot with one of them.
1: Well, uh, I guess the one thing, you know, I kind of wish we had the doctor on this week as well. <laughs> you know, is yeah. I don't know how, how a testicular uh, contusion that he had will affect his career going forward. Right. <laughs> right. That's something I don't know if many players gotten. And, and, you know, I don't know if it changes anything, but Assuming he's the same player, I think it's a good deal. If you look at his stat lines, it's pretty consistent, and he had a pretty, uh, breakout season last season, uh, before the injury. Like you mentioned, it was, uh, one point forty two ERA, and um, and he's actually never been injured really. Like he had uh, numerous games. I think he's been consistently playing like eighty four games a season, uh, in relief, right? Yeah. So he definitely adds a lot of relief that there. Um, but yeah. And he's also played with Kepler in, on the Phillies too. So there's definitely some chemistry with, uh, with the skipper there. Right. Um, so, C- uh, Cap, Kepler knows how to use him. Um, mm-hmm. you know, so he had some of his best years with the Phillies. So yeah, I thought, I thought this was a pretty good signing. Um, especially low risk, right. Which is a Farhan signature. Um, but if he's going to be a player, just like how he was before the injury, he's due probably for a bigger contract next year, right? Right. Um, but for one year, worth the experiment.
0: Yeah, it's just to you know add some depth out there. Um, hopefully, we can you know get him out in the bullpen and he can start maybe pitching in the sixth and seventh inning um, here. But the the Giants are just you know they're just trying to plug away slowly here. And it's not necessarily um, the worst strategic um, decision too, because you know, maybe you just allowed the Dodgers and Padres to just spend the big bucks and Mm -hmm. hamper themselves long term, you know, while we gain some um, financial, you know, payroll flexibility for this upcoming season um, here. So I think like after next season, we're going to be we're going to only have about what 20 million. 20, $25 million invested yeah. into the, into the players. And from there we can, we can start, you know, spending and, you know, signing, signing mm-hmm. some big new players.
1: Yeah. It'll be like a hundred million dollar and cap space room to work with. Right. So, so that's going to be exciting. I think that's uh you know, not a bad strategy. Um, and then I think that's where it's Baker break for Farhad, right? If he can't make it work with that cap space, then yeah you're definitely going to question them, you know, and I guess the biggest unknown for me is Kepler, right? (laughs) And his last season was rough, but he learned along the way, but is he really the right skipper and how valuable is a skipper? I think we already talked about that before. The front office kind of sets the lineups and things like that now. So, you know, We'll, we'll have to see um yeah justin bo a minor league contract who cares right, <laughs> right. i think it's just like another uh let's just let's just test the waters a little bit and if he's great then we win right but if he's not then you don't lose anything so yeah
0: you know spring training is is here the major league baseball season will will be uh here not too long so it's something to be excited about i'm sure we will cover a lot more giant stuff um, as the season approaches, but uh, the looks like the NFL draft is coming up pretty soon, right? Like, days away uh, or so, I think. It's yeah, something
1: 50. like that. It's in August, right? Or uh, sorry, April, right? April. Yeah. So we're already
0: in March. So,
1: yeah, so we're a pretty less a month away.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's coming so, up pretty soon. Um, here, and I'm sure we're going to hear a lot of uh, rumors on who we're going to pick. Yeah, you know. We, we've we've covered quite a lot of players it'll be exciting
1: from, right because yeah. i think this year a lot of people are really anticipating this to be a big draft for for a lot of people so we're you know it'll be interesting to see what the niners do because it's going to be you know um a pretty big change for us so <laughs> i think april 29th that's the exact date so we still have quite some time so but Uh, Free agency does open next week. So I think next week there's going to be a lot of moves across the league. Um, Be interesting to see who we keep. And we didn't franchise tag anyone, which is not a surprise. um, Because if you franchise tag a guy like Hughes or like uh, Jason Verrett, yeah, I think there's a franchise tag minimum of like three million or something so once we wow. franchise tag someone then you're you're pretty much locked into that guy right you should lock up your task base so I, I we can't afford to franchise tag anyone and that's why even Trent Williams we couldn't franchise tag right we wouldn't fit that that 30 million tag so so yeah. all right
0: I think that uh wraps up this episode right
1: Yep, yep, yep. Well, tune in to us. We're we're gonna be on you know Yang Mondays and Tang Thursdays on Beast Riders uh YouTube channel. So make sure you tune in there.
0: Yeah, um we're gonna be there. Um, you know, hopefully on a weekly basis. Uh Ryan Sakamoto's, Um, you know, he recently joined Sports Illustrated covering the 49ers on there. So watch out for some of his um his articles online. He's always has some Great daily content um, there with his live streams. And, uh, you know, also make sure to, you know, follow us on YouTube and also on a lot of the uh, podcast platforms like Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. And we will definitely be doing more of these uh, streaming um, streaming stuff. And we hope to, you know, have some fans, you know, come on and answer some questions along the way too. Yep. All right. Well, that concludes uh, episode 23 of the MJ Sportscast. Uh, For Jerry Yang, this is Mike Tang. We'll see you next week. Take care. Thank you for listening to the MJ Sportscast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at the MJ Sportscast at Mike408 at MindOfJerry11. Tune in next week for another exciting episode.